Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Rico Daily. I'm Ronnie Mola. The warnings about climate change are getting more and more urgent with every passing day. And people have been trying to figure out clean energy alternatives to fossil fuels for many decades. Let's consider a potential source of cheap energy that for most of the world is anything but scarce, water. This is the ultimate solution to pollution and the so-called energy crisis. And we're not just talking about hydroelectric dams here. We've been talking about hydrogen-powered cars since the 70s as a way to get us off gasoline. The conventional engine should be replaced in the future by a hydrogen fuel cell, which produces electricity. So it's no wonder that for so long, so many people have said, Hydrogen is the answer for today. Fast forward to the 2020s, and it feels like we've all but lost interest in hydrogen-powered cars. The lithium battery-powered electric vehicle dominates the EV market, and it's only continuing to grow. So what happened to the hydrogen-powered car? To answer that question, I spoke with Vox's Umer Irfan. The attention does seem to ebb and flow may recall way back in the tail end of the George W. Bush administration, he got really hyped about hydrogen. A simple chemical reaction between hydrogen and oxygen generates energy, which can be used to power a car. And then Obama, he kind of lost some enthusiasm, but then built it back up in the end. And now we're hearing about it again. And basically, hydrogen seems to be going through these hype cycles every few years. But it's been gaining some ground slowly in the background. Uh, Toyota has been selling some hydrogen vehicles here in the U.S. And the infrastructure has been building up intermittently. And this time around, though, there seems to be more attention than ever. Yeah, I, I seem to remember my dad when I was a little kid talking about, like, where did the hydrogen car go? And, and now we're talking about again. So how exactly is it making a comeback? Well, recently, the Biden administration announced about $10 billion in funding through an executive order for hydrogen infrastructure and research and development. And some of the major automakers have said that they are also looking into hydrogen. You know, Toyota has been probably the biggest proponent of hydrogen vehicles. Toyota is also the world's largest automaker, and they have a lot of weight to throw around. So they're kind of trying to brute force this into reality. Other uh, sectors are also looking to get into this as well, particularly with the concern about climate change mounting and people running into limitations of other kinds of clean technologies like battery electric vehicles. There is sort of a hunger for an alternative that can meet some of those shortfalls. And so with 
vehicles like ships and aircraft. Some of the manufacturers there are now looking into hydrogen as a potential fuel source that can do things that batteries can't. And then there are also folks that are talking about using hydrogen on the grid as basically a way to provide backup power for intermittent wind and solar power. So there's a few different use cases for hydrogen that right now all seem to be getting a lot of attention. And now, especially in an era of high fuel prices and this volatility around energy around the world, hydrogen is basically another way to develop and a domestic energy system. Are people driving hydrogen cars right now? They are. In fact, uh, hydrogen cars have been uh, sold in the U.S. now for close to seven years, commercially from Toyota. Toyota is the largest retailer of more than 2,000 Toyota Mirai hydrogen-powered sedans were sold just in the last year. The Toyota Mirai, the pioneer hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. And they're steadily making progress. So they have some pretty robust incentives to try to encourage people to use them. Other automakers as well, like Hyundai, they also have uh, hydrogen vehicles. Nexo, because of you. And there have been a handful here and there since 2010s. And those, for those people who do have hydrogen cars, where do they fuel up or how does that work? In the United States, most of them are going to be in California because that's basically the only place you can find hydrogen fueling stations, particularly in the San Francisco Bay Area and then in Southern California. That's where most of the hydrogen fueling stations are. And yeah, there's only a handful of them as well in those regions. Uh, a couple Shell gas stations and a couple standalone stations have hydrogen pumps that uh, the general public can use. And so the uh, fleet of hydrogen vehicles is going to be in those areas because that's the only places where you can actually top them up. And how is hydrogen sourced? Is it any greener than anything else? That's actually a big problem right now with hydrogen because the main way we get hydrogen here in the United States is by steam reforming methane. And this is a process that still produces greenhouse gas emissions. Most hydrogen that we produce in the United States and in much of the world is used for industrial purposes. So mainly for things like chemicals manufacturing and for other kinds of processes. And so using it for vehicles is only a tiny fraction of that. How you produce the hydrogen is really where you expend the most energy and that's where you see a carbon footprint. When people talk about hydrogen, engineers like to say it's an energy carrier, not an energy source. You really have to pay attention to how you get the hydrogen in the first place. Got it. So it has a carbon footprint. It's just at a different point in the journey. Right. You're not going to see carbon coming out of your tailpipe, but because it's out of sight, the worry is that it might be out of mind. And you really have to pay attention to where that hydrogen is actually coming from. And that's part of why we're seeing a little bit more investment right now is that we're seeing more government funding for trying to green the hydrogen supply chain and produce more hydrogen from things like renewable energy sources rather than using fossil fuels. So why would someone with environmental concerns or any of these other concerns choose a hydrogen car over the electric cars that run on lithium batteries? Well, when hydrogen is compressed as a fuel and to be used in these vehicles, it's not quite as energy dense as gasoline, but it's more energy dense than a battery. You can get longer and more consistent range out of a hydrogen vehicle. The other factor is that hydrogen pumping is fairly analogous to how you pump gasoline. So you just go up to a pump, you hook it up to your car, it takes about five minutes and then you're done. So you don't have to deal with the hours long waiting time for maybe charging an electric vehicle. And so that helps get around that. And plus uh, hydrogen tends to scale fairly well for the size and the cost. And so for things like trucking and buses, hydrogen could potentially be a more viable and easier way to transition toward a cleaner fuel rather than simply using larger and larger batteries, which have 
weight issues as well as cost issues. And so it helps solve a lot of these uh, other kinds of problems that you deal with. But it also, of course, creates its own problems. You talked about how there's not that much infrastructure. You know, there's only places to fuel hydrogen cars in California. There's also it runs the same risks as a lot of other fuels like price shocks and things like that. Are there any other roadblocks to hydrogen cars becoming a reality? The cars themselves, from the people I've talked to who have owned them and the people who sell them, like they love those cars. They're excellent vehicles there. But the issue is, how are you going to get the fuel if there is a shortage or if you don't have a pump on the route that you want to drive on? And other factors I mean to consider is that, you know, with battery electric vehicles, you can top them up basically anywhere you have a power outlet. You may not have a supercharger, but you can still charge your electric vehicle slowly. We don't have any equivalent kind of infrastructure for hydrogen. So it requires a lot of investment on the back end, not just for the pumps, but things like pipelines for storage depots and other kinds of equipment, just like the pumps and the fittings, for example. Those are right now very small scale, custom made parts, and you really need to have factories that can actually build those at scale. And so there's this sort of chicken and egg problem here because in order to invest in a hydrogen fueling station, investors want to know that there are going to be customers who are going to actually buy it, but nobody really wants to buy a hydrogen car unless they know that they're going to have fueling stations. And so right now, governments and some investors are trying to solve that problem by brute forcing the infrastructure side, that basically if we deploy way more fueling stations, perhaps the demand will catch up. So what are the most encouraging signs at this moment for proponents of hydrogen? Is it that Biden investment or... Well, there's a lot of uh, promising signs. I mean, one is just international investment, not just the U.S. government, but like governments around the world are talking about using hydrogen. China in particular, you know, has put out a hydrogen strategy. And, you know, because China is one of the world's largest economies, they can help move global markets if they were to actually invest in this significantly. Also, companies are very interested, you know, companies like Maersk, which is one of the world's largest shipping firms, they're aiming to decarbonize their entire shipping fleet you know, moving these giant container ships that are as tall as skyscrapers tipped over onto their side. Like, how do you decarbonize the largest vehicles on Earth? Hydrogen provides a pathway to actually doing that. It's not quite clear whether they can meet the scale, but it does, in theory, seem to be something that could potentially work there. So there's a lot of different other applications that hydrogen could fill that a lot of people are interested in right now. So the amount of money and the need and the timing sort of seem to be converging right now. But of course, because it's so volatile, this global energy system, you know, we could lose attention before. Like part of the reason hydrogen didn't stick the last time around is that gas prices suddenly declined, you know, back in 2015 and 2016. And so that urgency went away. And meanwhile, battery electric vehicles haven't been sitting still. They've been getting a lot cheaper. Batteries have improved drastically. Their costs have declined as well. So hydrogen is always going to be having to hit a moving target. And that's going to be the tricky challenge going forward. Amer, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was produced and engineered by John Arians. I'm Ronnie Mola. Thanks for listening.